0: Welcome to this session of Spritz Personality, the podcast where we talk about philosophy, education, psychology, pop culture and any other nonsense that pops into our heads as we go along. I am Bob. I have been a teacher for about 10 years now. I am also a poet. I have started and not completed about 40 different novels. Um, I am very interested in Uh, philosophy from an amateur point of view. And to that end, this tasty little strip of tagliatelle beside me is Giovanni. Hello, Giovanni. Hello, Bob. Um, As usual, I won't insult
1: you for for how you introduce me, but I'll very (laughs) briefly say that I am indeed Giovanni, and I'm a philosopher, if I'm allowed to say that, uh, and also a teacher. I've been a teacher for many years, and I have a strong interest in psychology as well and in particular in the psychology of Carl Jung uh, on on whom I wrote a book uh, about a year ago and uh, so yeah I like to explore everything related to the intersection of these fields that you mentioned at the beginning.
0: And your book is published by a little company called? Routledge. Ah uh, yes I yeah. think I've heard of them I think I've heard of them. Yeah. All right, so this is episode four. Let me get this right because I made a mistake last time. This is episode four, where we will be discussing rule three from my classroom, which is we always give our best effort. Um, Let me start by trying to kind of explain the thinking behind the rule. It's fairly straightforward. We always give our best effort, all I want from my classes is that they try their best. I don't expect everybody to understand everything. I don't expect them all to finish everything every time I set them work. And I don't expect that everybody will get everything right. But what I do want to be sure of is that everybody has given it 100% effort. You could be terrible at maths, but if you give me your best, in trying to do the work that I've set you in maths, I'm happy with that. I want them to get used to the idea that you don't give up on something just because it's difficult, keep at it. It's not a bad thing to try and get things wrong. It's much worse to give up and assume that you can't do it. So by trying to instill the notion that we give our best effort, I just want them to commit to the job in hand while it's there and we can we can look at the consequences you know when the time's up when the the job is done I hope that that will lay a foundation for for people who don't think I can't do that so I won't bother rather it'll make them think I can have a go at anything regardless of what it is and then that, that doesn't just apply to work But also, I would talk to the the class in terms of themselves and the representation that they give of of themselves. So, is that the best representation of you? If somebody walks into the room and says hello and you don't respond, is that the best representation of you? If somebody in the class is struggling with something, are you going to laugh at them for struggling with it? Is that the best representation of you? Is that the best? Way you can respond to that situation, what is the best thing you can do? It's we give our best effort primarily in work, but also we give our best representation of ourselves, is the the thinking behind it.
1: So, Bob, you've you've ex my neurons are exploding already. Uh, (laughs) excellent. excellent.
0: (laughs) So, is that a euphemism?
1: Um, (laughs) well, (laughs) I hope not. but the um okay so no i i i have to write down the things that you say because there's so many but to, to, i i already i already feel okay i'll try to remember what what i was what i wanted to say so first of all one thing has happened since our last episode uh an important thing has happened guess what bob i want now you, i want you to guess what has happened it's more related to our podcast bob
0: you have a endless store of AAA batteries to power the digital recorder.
1: No, I've I've signed a deal with Joe Rogan, so this <laughs> is our last uh, podcast. Our I'm last sorry, time. Bob. I'm sorry, Bob. You were you were the trampoline uh, on, upon which I jump. <laughs> I that I used to jump into into Joe Rogan's arms. I mean, and to if be... that metaphor sounds a little bit on the side of what you were saying
0: then that's a great metaphor i have been called much worse things than a trampoline so that's that's good. i'm encouraged by that at least i am the trampoline
1: no but seriously okay i want to add a little bit of introduction to to a tiny bit of introduction to what i said at the beginning because it sounds a bit weird uh, all the things i said i think we share bob something i mean you you have many interests that i don't share and i have others that you don't share but we really are it literally obsessed with teaching we, we are obsessed with this thing yeah i uh, to the point that i when i learn something new i instantly think how could i teach this to a class this is something that is a sort of diff- professional deformation but uh i, am, I imagine that many people in, in, their, or in every many different jobs are always uh, you know a painter is always looking for a, for a landscape you know whatever he sees is an yeah. and So I, I when I look at something, when I learn something, anything, uh, I just think how could I use that? How could I make that teachable? Yes. And which is and so anyway, that I just wanted to say that as a side note uh, to, to uh, I feel that you are like me in this regard that you are constantly thinking about. You want to learn and better yourself. Uh, and be the best version of yourself, like we all do. But you also constantly thinking, how can I transform this knowledge into something teachable? and make it into a chunk of uh, teachable thing, things. Uh, anyway, mm, what? W- anyway, so this is something that I just wanted to add. Another thing that you said earlier uh, was about um, the fact that it doesn't matter that the kids have to teach, uh, have to do, have to get the perfect. Uh, answer right, and I sometimes say to them that was an interesting mistake. So some yeah. students say something wrong, uh, and I say I understand why you said that. Uh, many cases it was my fault because I didn't explain it properly. So they just went, they followed a b c. I, I forgot to add, you know, go to after b go to d, and they just went to c, and I, so obviously the mistake mm-hmm. was in my mm-hmm. my bad teaching, It yeah. wasn't them. Um, not so many teachers uh, well not every teacher realises that that 99% of the time that students don't get something it's because you haven't explained it properly
0: yeah the best way to be a teacher is to be constantly reflective so you're always thinking about what you have done and what you can do better which I mean also ties in with this statement that we always give our best effort if you're a good teacher you're doing exactly what you are talking about you are constantly thinking about, did I explain that the best way? Did I show them the best path to get from the start point to what I anticipate being the end point?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so the, uh, the, and, and, and the, the, the sh- because I'm interested in psychoanalysis as much as I am in teaching, but professionally I am not a psychoanalyst. Uh, I, I did some research on Jung, but I didn't, I'm not a, a clinician, but I professionally I'm a teacher. Uh, there are two common things uh, that, that, that of these two areas, uh, one common thing of these two areas, which is that uh, you can't tell the kids to present themselves in a certain way or to put the best effort if, you, uh, you're, not, if you're not doing it in the first place, which is yeah. the same thing that an analyst can't tell the kid, the kid or adult in the consulting room Look, you've got to, you know, keep your cool, uh, manage your emotions and then scream at the patient all the time because it would be obviously a contradiction. You can't ask the patient to learn how to improve his emotions and at the same time scream at him. Yes. So these two uh, things really are very similar, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Very much so. And that that train of thought where you started with the uh, how can I teach this? Yeah, I do that all the time. When I watch movies, TV shows, listen to songs. Uh, there will always be some point where I think, Oh, that would be an interesting thing to say to the class. How can I make that into something that I could get the kids to explore?
1: Or use it indirectly for another thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The movie Inside Out I think is really good for that, the, the Pixar film. It's it's a great film, um, about how to deal with your emotions and how it's okay to be sad. It's a, you know, that is a part of you
1: that works enough. well in middle school too yeah I, I know teachers who have used inside out in middle school and they they the middle school kids don't still haven't learnt to manage their emotions and and as we all know uh, in and 75 year olds often haven't either so uh, if I may refer to how old is Trump I don't know anyway <sighs> if I may refer to Trump uh, but no the the, the yeah we, we all know that it's a ne- never-ending never Quest obviously, but but Inside Out can be used in elementary school, middle school. I think it could be shown to high school kids without any problem. Yeah, yeah. Even university kids, even studying psychology, I I I, have, I see nothing wrong with that.
0: And even the other night, I watched um the Mitchells versus the Machines. It's currently on Netflix. That's too
1: much for me, Bob. Uh, pop culture reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got to tell me more. Is it a, a TV series? Is it a cartoon? Is it an interview? It's an
0: animated film.
1: I only watch Charlie Rose interviews. You know the ones, <laughs> the ones from the seventies where he interviewed uh, Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> uh, ah, I can't. Can I mention Charlie Rose? No, cancelled. He's been cancelled. Has he been cancelled? Yeah, canceled? oh yeah, yeah. He was. He was in a very inappropriate. He was very inappropriate with some employees.
0: Oh well, that seems. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I'm standard s- for the time.
1: Well, it seems standard for me to always put my feet in the put my foot in the wrong place because <laughs> I'm constantly mentioning, you know, the wrong, the wrong people. But anyway, yeah, uh, I wanted just to give an example of where I am uh, temporarily uh, chronologically. I'm in the 75, 80s, maybe, uh, David Letterman when he began, you know, that's so please explain to the other listeners that are my age or, or older. What is that thing that you mentioned?
0: So the Mitchells versus the machines, it's an animated movie. Um, about, I mean, this storyline is to do with artificial intelligence kind of taking over the world. Wow. But it's set. That's like the backdrop. The, the story is about family, the Mitchells obviously. Okay. The oldest daughter is about to head off to college and it's kind of about the tug between her and her father, because her father obviously wants to protect the family. Okay. Her in particular and keep her safe. Whereas she wants to spread her wings and fly and leave and go to college. And she's very interested in making film. Okay. And the way he, it's very good in the way he clumsily expresses his love for her. Because his love for her means that he's concerned about what if the thing that she wants to do fails. What if okay. filmmaking isn't the thing that's going to give her a life? Okay. But in in trying to express that, he sort of clumsily undercuts her dreams and thereby pushes her away. Mm. She makes her want to leave more because oh, wow. she wants to get away from, from that. Wow. And then in the backdrop, you've got the AI smartphones become literally smart, self-aware. The phone designs this upgrade to the phone which is a robot helper but then the robots become aware of how inept humans are and try to take over the the world and it's about how the family pull together to save the world from the the robot uprising wow. but the core the the family dynamic relationship even watching that i was thinking i don't know because she's going to college is this too are, are the characters too old for me to show this to my class ah. but coming up to the end of term you know teachers um will recognize the importance of a good film yeah. as you approach the end of term yeah i can't ever get my head out of the space that if i'm going to show them a film i want there to be discussion points about it i don't want to just put on a film and say watch that for an yeah. hour and a half and i'll do something else i want to sort of teach them to engage with what they're watching so that they they aren't just passively consuming stuff yeah so i want to show them things like mitchell's versus the machine like inside out where you can engage with it and you know you could stop it every 20 minutes 30 minutes and And say what has happened why do you think they did this why do you think he said that what do you think is going to happen next oh yeah you know let's let's appreciate the the art that's that's in front of us it's not just kill 90 minutes it's here's an interesting thing that lots of people have created oh yeah Oh, yeah. And to appreciate the the result of the art to appreciate the effort that has gone into to making that thing that we are now watching. not just shut up for an hour and a half here's a film.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. But sorry, uh, it's I'm going backwards a little bit, but I didn't mention actually what is the thing that's changed in my life. Uh, I, I didn't hmm. I didn't say that because I got carried away by all the other puns and jokes uh, for, as, as in like for, since two weeks. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, I returned back into the classroom because I've been working oh, for a year yeah. and a half online yeah, yeah. and now I'm back in a classroom teaching kids the language school where, I, where I'm working at the moment uh, has, has, has organized a project uh, in, high, in middle school uh, so I've gone back into a real uh, school setting with real kids and I realized, even through the, pand- uh, through the pandemic effects, that it, the, the effects that the pandemic has had on them and everything, how much kids need someone to listen to them, regardless of the mistakes that they may in their English, for example, and we're doing a project on multiculturalism. So I've asked some kids about, if there's anybody with a multicultural background, would you like to share your story? And even in a light way, you know, joking about certain things or stereotypes, And the kids are are really like, most of them really like to talk about themselves and need, desperately need somebody to listen to them. And not just somebody that goes there and teaches them, can I say shit, yeah? Yeah. Not just somebody that goes there and teaches them (laughs) shit, but somebody that listens to them. uh, Seriously wants to listen to what they have to say about themselves, about their life. uh, And and, uh, you're practicing the English language in this case, uh, but that uh, they teach the, the teacher as much as the teacher teaches them and they like because they, they've been very hit by a, a school is, I, I was reading an article that we, we can put in the show notes. Uh, a, a school is an institution. Uh, it's a rite of passage. It's not just a place where you learn stuff. You learn how to be in a group. You learn how to uh, the, 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 writer, the author of this article says you, you go from being an adolescent, to, to identifying as an adolescent to identifying as a student in the best case scenario yeah so you learn what it means to follow rules deadlines do things properly and also respect to other people around you so all that stuff with the pandemic has been completely lost because people just turn on the computer and listen to what the, to the what the teacher tells them but all the, the setting the, the 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 growing in a, in a in a, 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 a as a, as, a, as i said a rite of passage that stuff has got sadly lost, especially for high school students who have done a lot of online this year in Italy. Middle school kids, at least pr- first year middle school, uh, the, this, the rule, the law said that they could still continue going to school mostly, except for one month. I think that they were at home, but all the rest they were they kept going to school. But second middle school, third middle school, sort of 50/50, and high school was like 75, yeah, yeah. not going to school for for quite a few months, and it's a, it kills them because it's. They don't even know what they're losing but they're losing all those skills the sort of soft skills of being with others
0: yeah the socialization is a very important part of it exactly what you're saying it's not just can you get through the science curriculum it's part of it but how do you interact with um teachers how do you interact with adults how do you interact with your peers in the class how do you play how do you share all of those things are are important skills and uh, that the remote teaching deprives them of the ability to improve. One of the interesting things I find with my classes when we did remote teaching, some of the quieter kids in class, in the room, remote, they were 100% participation. Ah. So you can see how some people kind of flourish without the distraction. They're better mm. in that isolated setting. They're yeah. not, I don't know, they're not concerned about what somebody else thinks of them because they yeah. can't see that person making the, the judgment. Yeah. But on the whole, the majority of them when they get back into school, the the joy on their faces, the enthusiasm for it is is palpable. Yeah. You can really see it. Yeah. And even with like I've had some kids who were out for a couple of weeks because they had tested positive or somebody in their family had tested positive for COVID. When those kids come back the rest of the class are so happy to see them back. Nice. You really see the joy of of their ability to to interact with somebody else. That's nice. It's so important. It is such an important part of it. So
1: in theory, our goal is to find out the philosophical back, uh, is the rule philosophic, because we're now at rule three, so is the rule tenable philosophically? Yeah. This is our overall goal of this mini-series that we're doing now, and then we'll see what, what we'll do later on. But for the moment, uh, so you generally, every year, have various rules. And the third one, uh, we've done the others already, so we're not going to repeat them, but the third one is uh, you should always put your best effort. Is that the rule? You should. Yeah, always we always give our best effort. We always give our best effort. So when you told me that rule, uh, I thought, what is the philosophical... Um, background what would be the philosophical school uh, 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 behind it yes I think it is probably virtue ethics uh, in terms of uh, yeah in terms of ethics because virtue ethics is the idea that you have to develop certain virtues uh, and these virtues can be for example conscientiousness courage uh, love of truth friendship even friendship is a virtue for Aristotle yeah. so um these um uh, this is the the, the philosophical uh, background of of this rule i would say and i i like virtue ethics a lot uh, because it's the third uh, most important ethical school not third as in third in order of importance but there are three main ethical schools deontology consequentialism and virtue ethics and virtue ethics is one of if not the most studied in these in these last 50 years, 40 years, maybe, has been the, probably the most studied. So, um, the yeah, I would say that, as you said, it doesn't matter if the result is perfect. It doesn't even matter if you're feeling particularly... The, the idea that the result has to be really good would be more connected with consequentialism. It okay. doesn't matter if your intention behind what you're doing is necessarily pure and extremely uh, clean of any bad uh, thought so you can be very lazy other moments of the day but when you're in class you are giving your best effort and developing certain virtues including the ones i mentioned so yeah Mm, i i if i if that's my role in this podcast apart from other from being called a macaroni cheese oh no what no macaroni cheese is english yeah, uh, no, Pesto, Linguini, uh, <coughs> Pesto, and Apart from being called uh, insulting names, <laughs> if I have any role to, put, to still in, retain in this podcast, I would approve uh, with my official stamp, philosophical stamp, that your rule is a good one, Bob. Mass is over, you may go in peace. <laughs> is that correct? Is that good? Tr- I can say that in Italian. La messa è finita, andate in pace. Yeah. But I don't know if that's quite right in English. The you mass.
0: I think, from memory, it's something like it's something similar. It's like the mass has ended. Go in. The mass has ended. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.
1: Perfect. Perfect. So Bob, do exactly that, um, <laughs> and. Uh, do then, exactly
0: that. Fuck off. <laughs> well,
1: well, it is a, it is slightly <laughs> a very, very, uh, very, very uh, the theological and very, very uh, euphemistic way of saying. Okay, now uh, go away. Yeah. Essentially, <laughs> so yeah, but it's uh,
0: equivalent to somebody in their office coming no. up and opening the door and saying, "Well, thanks very much for coming in to chat to me."
1: Exactly. That means get out of here. Yeah, go. No, I I I like this rule, Bob. <coughs> so I would use it. Uh, I would I would steal it from you if I have to decide rules for students uh, next year. If if it, if the if the if it ar- the situation arises. And, um, yeah, I mean, we can get into a lot of other things here, but uh, sh- do we really want to? I mean, we, for example, self-actualization uh, or individuation in, in, uh, in Jung or self-actualization in Carl Rogers. This idea that we always, we have an intrinsic urge to improve, to become ourselves. I, I'm becoming a bit skeptical about all of this. So (laughs) I would say. Well, I don't know. I would just say, if if you develop the if you develop the virtues, if you're good enough at, if you're good enough, if you if you're quite if you're quite courageous, quite honest, you love truth, you try to, you know, put in the best effort, uh, and and even love is is a virtue. I mean, there's enough there's enough stuff on the plate uh, to actually. I don't know. I, I don't like, t- I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to be a little bit sceptical about this idea, this sort of American view of, okay, one hour of push-ups in the morning, two hours of meditation in the afternoon, uh, perfectly healthy diet, uh, then I do my job at 100%, uh, I have incredible listening skills. I mean, it's you can't live like that. I mean, you you have to be bad also at some t- moments of the day or even of the week. You have to be a terrible human being to then also have time to be a <coughs> good human being in other contexts. I don't know. I'm yeah, just, I think you're... I'm being a bit cynical. I mean, it's it's the end of it's the end of the year. I mean, we're all we're all a bit you know we're <laughs> oh, the,
0: all, the slow down the wind down. We're all a bit cynical. I mean, I don't know. But no, I think that there is always a difference between what we want to. Or what I want to tell my primary class as an example versus what we do in the adult world when we leave school I mean yeah you I think you're right you can't you can't live your life happily as a schedule unless you're the sort of person who loves that I I suppose there are some people for whom that is a great way to live you compartmentalize and schedule everything but I think and have by and large...
1: targets. Like this yeah. year I did 20 push-ups. So I now I've got to do 25. And then i got to do 30. And then i got to do...
0: Yeah, I mean, people have a lot to do to get by. To live, there is a lot involved in it. Some people will want to impose further goals on that. But yeah, I think it's fine to... It's fine to get by happily. Totally as agree. Long as, as long as you're not... Totally agree. I mean, there's a great quote actually from... Um, Do you ever watch the show? I'm sure you don't. It's too modern for you. Okay. There's a program called Parks and Recreation. Never seen it. Great. So there's a character in Parks and Rec called Ron Swanson. And one of the bits of advice that he gives to uh, one of his colleagues, she's trying to do too many things. She's trying to achieve in too many fields. Okay. And his advice to her is that you should never half-ass two things mm. you should whole ass one thing okay. okay okay and i think that is good advice pretty good for yeah. giving your best effort pretty good you, yeah it's kind of what you're saying you shouldn't spread yourself too thin no because you're going to end up half-assing a lot of stuff that's true yeah. it's better to focus on a few things or as he says one thing yeah and whole I, ass it. give your best to that thing and what i try to get my kids to do is concentrate on one thing at a time oh yeah here's the job i've asked you to write a story about what you think is going to happen next in the novel yeah yeah so i don't need questions about the maths homework we don't need to worry about whether the art teacher is in today what you're doing in music we're concentrating on the job in hand and it's like give your best effort to the thing that's in front of you Yeah. Rather than splitting your focus on 20 other things. That's a
1: great skill if they can acquire that. Yeah. Super good.
0: And I think maybe it becomes more difficult as you get older, as the world, you know, drops more responsibility on your shoulders. You have more things to do, so you have more things to worry about, so you have more distractions. Maybe it does naturally become more difficult to give your best effort because there are so many other things that you're thinking about. But then one of the other things we talk about in class is do you ever use class dojo no class dojo is a i think it's a fantastic tool for behavior management um in terms of what we talked about in the first episode with you know do we need rules uh-huh so the statement agreement that we make in class i would turn that into positive behaviors so class dojo is this online kind of um reward system so you can give positive points okay for things behaviors you want to encourage okay so the statement creates points in dojo okay so if we want the classroom where we always give our best effort one of the positives that I create in dojo is great effort okay. five points okay that also then leads into a conversation with the class about if there are positive points for best effort the flip side of that coin is that there's negative points hmm. for not giving your best effort. Ah. So you can get a plus five or a minus five. Okay. And as long as you keep giving me your best effort, I'll keep giving you plus fives because that's what I want to see. Yeah. But you have to understand that if you are, as Ron Swanson says, if you are half-assing it, we have agreed that the best thing to do in this class is to give our best effort. So if you half-ass it, I'm going to give you the negatives. Yeah. You will lose points because you're not giving your best. Yeah, and again, that's not to do with you didn't get everything right, but as the teacher, I can tell when you are trying exactly exactly versus when you're not. One of the great things about one of the other great things about dojo is that it's got these little um, animated series to try to teach um, life lessons okay. as you talked about earlier, teachable moments. Okay. One of the series is about this thing they call the dip. Okay. So one of the characters is really struggling and wants to give up. Maths has been, I think it's maths. Uh Maths has been easy for her throughout her school career. But suddenly this year, she doesn't understand it. It's Uh too difficult. So her reaction in the series is, okay, now I have to leave. I have to go away because I can't handle this anymore. Something has changed in me and I can't deal with it. I have to go away and live in shame and solitude. (laughs) <laughs> and then one of the teachers introduces them to this idea of the dip and okay, the dip yeah. is something that everybody goes through yeah you're enthusiastic things are going great and then there's a slump yeah yeah and what do you do in the dip how do you um write a mindset that enables you to keep going and get out of the dip mm. versus thinking oh well it's fucked the whole thing's gone Very I just, useful. i just enough. have to live here And one of the examples, they go and meet this guy, uh, Thomas Mojimus Edison, Mm -hmm. and he's talking about inventing the light bulb. Yeah. The point of that little interaction is great because you see around him all of the discarded light bulbs, all of the bits that didn't work. And he talks about how every mistake you make, every failure is another step on the road to success. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to keep, you have to give your best. You have to stick with it because anytime things fuck up, that's good. Because yeah. you know not to make that mistake again. Yeah. You know how to solve the problem that has been put in front of you because you failed to, so now you have a better way to approach finding the solution. Yeah. You no, know, if you fuck up a hundred times, it gets you a hundred steps closer to getting it right. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a it is a, a difficult thing to do to, to program your your brain to yeah. get you to that mindset where, okay, that didn't work, great, let's try again and see what might work. It's yeah, much easier I, to say, oh, fuck it.
1: <clears throat> but yes. that doesn't get you
0: anywhere.
1: I agree. And Joe Rogan, uh, the greatest living Western philosopher, uh, says, uh, you are not your mistakes, you are what you learned from your mistakes. Yeah. Uh, which uh, sounds good, Not as you said, not so easy to actually... Um, implement but uh, and it takes uh, stages of grief uh, to to go through uh, to go through the realization of of some pretty big fuck ups Uh, but when you do emerge from the grief uh, you are indeed uh, able to understand uh, what you should do better next time yeah and um, Oliver Berkman, uh, also in the show notes, must be put, because e- many of my ideas o- are inspired by his writing, uh, says that, um, except for the fact that now I can't remember what he says. So often we think, uh, you know, when I was 18, I did that really stupid mistake with this girl, for example, I, I, I wasn't able to stay with her for some reason. And he says, sometimes we think, now, um, I, I, I wish I could go back and uh, change the, that, that situation uh, with that girl uh, or with that job that I made a mistake at that, in that job and I got fired or whatever. Uh, and we, 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 get, we get really resentful with ourselves, etc. But the main thing that we forget is that, that it's precisely because you made that mistake with that girl that now you know how to behave with a girl. Yeah. So you can't eliminate that mistake because then you would also eliminate the self-awareness. Yeah. So you can only apply to new girls things that you've learnt with old girls. You can't. This that's just the law of life. Or with new employee employers, things that you learnt with old employers because that they are what taught you how to behave, how to do things better. Yeah. So the notion is philosophically and ontologically and scientifically impossible to imagine that my super experienced evolution now evolved evoluted mind could go back and act perfectly well with it with this 18 year old girl of course it, of course it could but it can't yeah because you've learnt those things and now you know them through those mistakes yeah, that's the idea that we are the sum of our mistakes. Exactly. So the, so, so, thank <coughs> God that we made them, because now we, we know that obviously there are things that one shouldn't do.
0: Yeah. It's like that question that people are often asked. Um, the Honeydew podcast that I listen to, one of the questions that the host asks first-time guests is if you could go back and give your 16-year-old self-advice, what would it be? Uh-huh. But I always think, when he asks that question, I always think, you can't really give advice because it's like that, that idea of time travel fucking up the present and the future. Yeah. You can't change anything that was. No. Because by changing what was, it affects what oh, yeah. it is. It's so just, what advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? I wouldn't even meet my 16-year-old exactly, self. Exactly. Because all of the mistakes I made since then. Got me to here now talking to you exactly doing this podcast and all the successes, mistakes mistakes.
1: and successes, and and positive efforts, not just mistakes, all of it. So, yeah,
0: yeah, but I mean, those mistakes come from well, yeah, you have to give your best effort to everything, and sometimes it will go right, sometimes it will go wrong. But the mistakes that you make, don't give up as a result of them, keep. Going because then you get to the point where you are. You know, we've never been as old as we are now. We will never be this age again. Yeah. We have got here because of everything that happened before, positive and negative. Yeah. So give your best effort. It's a little bit like the keep on keeping on. You just have to keep going. Yeah. And what you get as a result of that will be better if you keep going than if you give up. When it they asked, somewhere.
1: oh yeah, you know, when they asked Steinbeck, the writer, rather, rather good writer, uh, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> yeah, slightly, wrong. slightly, good. slightly yeah. good writer. I think I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. asked him, what, what, what have you learnt about life? He
0: said it keeps going. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yep. uh, yeah, I mean that's it. Uh, I, I think actually, Bill, was it Billy Connolly. Was, had a, a bit about that where I think it was Billy Connolly people keep telling you you know life is short seize the moment it's like life is the longest fucking thing you'll ever do yeah yeah that's funny it's not short <laughs> at all it's the longest thing you ever <laughs> that's do funny. <laughs> Which is that's funny exactly. that's very funny and, a, and it's a good reason to give your best effort because this is it yeah. you have this yeah. so are you gonna are you gonna fuck about and half ass it like Ron Swanson tried to do yeah. Or are you gonna give it your best things will go wrong inevitably of course they will but all of those successes and failures make you what you currently are one of the reasons I became a teacher I mean I think this I think I've said this a couple of times before but I, I don't often say it because. I would I love to know
1: I would love to know I'm so I'm incredibly intrigued because in one episode you mentioned on one episode you mentioned that you worked as an IT yes. uh, consultant and uh, I, I've always been fascinated to find out, uh, my interpretation of why you decided to become a teacher is that because you sent some files to Edward Snowden uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you were about to get caught by, by, by the US intelligence so you immediately <laughs> quit your job. And decided that it it was better to become a high school teacher. So that's always been my interpretation. Uh, But the real truth, uh, I would be, or at least partial truth, I would really like to know. Well, yeah. uh, Because it was must have been a life-changing epiphany. It, Uh, it It
0: sounds twee, I think, when I say it out loud. But the truth is, while I was working as an IT person, I used to walk into work or cycle into work so every morning was like half an hour 45 minutes so i listened to a lot of music at the time and my the the first band i ever loved was nine inch nails yeah the first tattoo i ever got was a nine inch nails tattoo yeah and i remember they had a new album out and i was listening to it for the first time on the walk into work and one of the songs has a lyric and he sings when you look at your reflection, is it all you want it to be? Okay. And I could not get that line out of my head. And it kept, it kept on at me. It kept repeating in my head. Is it all you want it to be? Wow. And every time I looked at myself and thought about that, the truth was that I was good at the job I had. I was doing well. But I was also able to, like our weekends we'd start on a Thursday night. Because uh-huh. Friday was a write-off. Uh-huh. You could drink on Sunday because everybody knew Monday was a write-off because it's the start of the week. Everybody's uh-huh. going to roll in. That then turned into me and a couple of my friends and work having, scheduling, scheduling meetings. Yeah. But then going to a bar across the road and having a couple of pints in the afternoon. Okay. And having three or four pints at lunch. And it was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. And I don't, I don't think, you know, it wasn't it wasn't alcoholism. It was just we were so able to do the jobs we had that we were able to fuck about a lot on the side. Yeah, yeah. But when I looked at my reflection, that was not all I wanted it to be because the core of the job I felt was irrelevant. Yeah. And I wanted to be something that was more important. Yeah. And do something that was more relevant. Yeah. And that's why I enrolled in the teacher training program because i thought amazing what is more what's going to be more relevant than being a foundation of education for like loads of children i mean having taught for 10 years there's hundreds of children now that i have tried to be a positive foundational influence on and i think that's much more important than testing if somebody in new york gets the correct insurance letter 20 days after they've had a car crash. Amazing, amazing. Did
1: you actually go to your boss and say, sorry, I'm going or or, or did you start the training uh, sort of hide? Did you hide your intention for a while or did you just one morning open the door and said, look, I'm going away, bye bye?
0: Yeah, no, I had to quit the job because I had to to move to England to do the training. So I I sold my house in Belfast and relocated to England. My wife was doing, teacher training for secondary school okay she, she's qualified to teach secondary English okay and it was she was away in Manchester doing her qualification okay and I was still living in Belfast in my house doing the job okay and talking to her like as difficult as some she of her she must experience. have had an influence on you
1: as well on exactly the, by yeah. telling you how much yeah. she enjoyed teaching I
0: imagine well some of the things that she was going through in her training were awful some of the mentors that she oh, had she were wasn't actually a yet horrific. a teacher she was just no, training. She was training okay But it was talking to her and then going into my job and listening to that song over and over again. Is it all you want to be? Is it all you want to be? Is it all you want to be? The truth was, no, it was not all I want to be. And really she couldn't ever have got it. It's very difficult to get a job as a teacher in Northern Ireland because it's very, it's a very parochial place. Uh So if you get a job in a school, you stay in that school. So there's a finite number of jobs and They don't don't often open up. Okay, okay. So for her to get a job, I was going to have to move to England anyway. Okay. I was going to have to move to Manchester at at least, but England in general. Okay. And so with that idea in mind, I was like, well, I'm going to have to sell my house anyway. I'm going to have to leave this job anyway. Am I going to move to England and get the same type of job again? And still have that thing in the back of my head? Is it all you wanted to be? Is it all you want to be? Is it all you want to be? Amazing. Or am I going to... As... As I will have to relocate and start again anyway. Shouldn't I start again with something that I want to do, that I feel has value? Of course. So, yeah, if we're going to relocate, let's relocate and I'll do some teacher training as well. Amazing. Because I think it matters more. So when are you going
1: to quit your job to become a full-time podcaster? You know, because I expect my co-hosts to be uh, committed entirely to the job, I don't accept that you can half uh, half ass things. <laughs> I, yeah, I, for I the minute <laughs> I'm trying to teach you and be a I, podcaster, I, I need you full time, eh, Bob? I don't, I don't accept this any longer. Okay, this is the last podcast that you're doing, and also as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh no, but we, that would be that would be self de- defeating because oh, the whole of point of this podcast is reflecting about our teaching experiences. Well, yeah. So then, no, you can keep it. You can keep it. Okay. Okay. Thank I you. I authorize you. I authorize you uh, to keep it. You can still keep keep on teaching. Yeah. On your mind I, don't I don't
0: need the to. I need the anecdotes from the classroom. Do you
1: remember the first? Because when you do training in England, you you already are exposed to an actual classroom. Uh, so the first lesson that you give or the first hour that you teach, your your mentor is sitting next to you observing. I imagine. Yes. So, that w- which is more memorable, more, a, mer- a more memorable moment in your life? The, that moment there or the, the first lesson that you taught without anybody sitting next to you? Which, which do you remember the most?
0: The first lesson with nobody there. That was more memorable? Yeah, because then you are suddenly very aware that it's you. It's up to you. Yeah. When my mentor was in the room, I could... Look to her occasionally. for little, you know, nods and okay, okay. winks and, you know, that's okay. going well. Yes, that's great. That's okay. a good idea. Okay, okay. When it was me on my own for the first time, I was like, holy shit. And at like, that time... Everything I say now matters.
1: And at that time, you get paid. when you're doing that by yourself, you're, you get paid, uh, you're already working, essentially. It's a job.
0: No, no, that's part of the training. Oh,
1: so it, within the training, you also have some hours where you're by yourself.
0: Yeah, so, so you the, get put yeah. in a, what I did, I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but I was put in two placement schools. Okay. And also part of my training, because I did um, Spanish teaching, I did a placement in Spain. So okay. I was in Granada for a few months teaching in a school there. Okay, okay. So in the placement school, you observe your mentor for a couple, I can't remember the, the time scale, but you observe your mentor you meet with them you talk about you know why they're doing certain things why do you do it this way Why is that why do you think that works better than something else of course then you teach some time with her in the room Uh uh-huh and eventually the placement finishes with you taking over i think 50 percent of the timetable for the week so you end up teaching half the lessons okay so you've got to plan the the maths lessons for the next four weeks you've got to plan the english lessons my time in Spain was slightly different because it was second language. I basically did a lot of um, co-teaching and they used me as an uh, English... Um, Mother tongue. ...Conversational English teacher yeah, for the yeah. older kids. Yeah. Um, but trying to, teach in, trying to teach in Spanish was interesting, but yeah, the first, the first time having a class on my own was the moment where it sort of becomes real. Because...
1: You remember that moment.
0: Yeah, I remember the feeling of, holy shit. Mm. Like, everything I say now matters. I don't know if it seemed... Like, that's a very grandiose statement. It probably seems... Well, I don't know, is that true? I was going to say it probably seems more important than it is. But I actually think primary school teaching is... Even more important than secondary school teaching. Oh yeah. Because you're laying, you are laying the foundation. Oh yeah. So I don't think it's too much to say everything I say matters here. No, 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 it's not. Because everything you say does matter. Oh yeah. You have to be. You're not just getting through a lesson. You are managing thirty children's emotions. Oh yeah, it's crazy. As well. It's crazy. You've got to look for you know sensitivities. You've got to think about all kinds of things while you are still saying the words that teach the lesson. It's There's crazy. all this other stuff going on in your head. Yeah, I remember that that feeling. And actually it's important to not lose that feeling too much because your influence over your class doesn't it never diminish. Stops. It, it doesn't never diminish it the more you do it. No. Just because I've been teaching for 10 years every new class is a restart, a new experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's always important what you say, what you do. How you look, how you present yourself, all of those things always matter. Mm. And in that sense, the teacher always has to give their best effort because you always have to, you always have to, sh- to show a good example. Yeah. I'm not in here dicking about. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to do you the disservice mm. of half-assing this because yeah. it's important that we all grow together for this year. It's yeah. important that we all learn together oh yeah so i have to show them the importance of doing one's best so we always talk about this difference between the examples that i try to set in the classroom versus what you would expect to deal with and how you react in the adult world of work right yeah yeah so i want my kids to believe that It's important to give your best effort. Mm. What we see in the real world around them in that classroom is that people don't always give their best effort. One of the things I find most disheartening is when the people who are in charge don't give their best effort. So one of the things I read about this week is how the government in Britain... Rather than paying to recycle the plastic that people put in for recycling. Yeah. It's cheaper for them to send that plastic waste to uh, Turkey and Malaysia, I think it is. Okay. Where it becomes a hazard because they burn it. They don't have the recycling facilities to deal with it. Okay. So the waste is burnt. Okay. That's That's not the people in charge doing the best that they can do. No. So it's very much a case of like... I want the kids to follow my example, but then try to ignore what example is being set by everybody in authority around you, because what the people in authority are doing is not doing the best for everybody. Indeed. There was also, there was an article in The Guardian yesterday about this um, this flight from, uh, I think it was out of Stansted Airport. They've discovered the records of this flight that the, the government were... Um, getting rid of migrants on this sort of secret flight
1: ah i think i vaguely read
0: something about that and they're they're dumping them somewhere but also then because of covid they were able to twist the covid rules so that they were able to also put like vulnerable people on the flight as well so like get the problem out of the country on this horrific sort of rendition Wow. So again, it's great that we, it's important that we do our best all the time, but it's also important that you don't pay attention to the example being set by the people in charge. Wow. So I want you to do your best despite the fact that those around us are clearly not doing their best for other human beings. So when I talked earlier about, are you given the best representation of yourself? You know, well, I, it's, I think yeah. the kids do a better job of doing that than the governments than politicians do. Well, I I know
1: I read uh, stories of of people of parents uh, literally crying or even or teachers even crying. I mean, I, I I I can't give you the exact quote, but during the Trump era, kids would come home and say, you know, you know, Trump uh, said. Uh, uh, i you know mommy daddy what is a shit hole country you know oh yeah and and parents literally in tears you know trying to to have to you know maintain that the, the the natural respect that a kid would have towards the president of, of their state while at the same time time trying to say uh you know oh it was some i mean i, I wouldn't know what to say literally to my son if 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 i if, I, if you see on television a kid you know even a 10 year old or 11 year old kid you know would 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 see a press conference and trump would be rambling like some drunk guy at the bar or, or the worst yeah. or Im- imaginable yeah. idiot you uh, could meet in in any workplace and you and he's actually the president and so 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 yeah uh, kids i don't know like they they, they somehow get uh, sort of you have to understand that there are some shit people around and that you have to follow not that their example but other examples
0: yeah, I don't understand how. I mean, I don't understand Trump in particular, but people like that in general. I I really, I don't know. Like, do you genuinely think that what you're saying is the best thing to say, or is it a, a cynical motivation that you know that if you say this thing, it will appeal to some people and it will gain you credibility, popularity? Like, because I because I am so incapable of understanding how you get to the point of thinking that I have to assume that there is an element of cynicism in it because that is not the best approach to have as a human being you know I I, I suppose more than anything I would be a, a humanist yeah yeah that what you are saying isn't the best thing to say for humanity no so do you believe it in which case you're a piece of shit yeah or are you cynically saying it to gain some kind of following, in which case also you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Either way, yeah. like I, I don't know if I'm just close-minded, but I, I think you're a piece of shit. Either either argument there.
1: Probably yes. I mean, it's a long story, but yeah, there are there are, when you're educating kids, you have to. Show them the world, but also shield them from some aspects of the world. Yeah. Uh, and it's not easy to. To understand w- w- how much of each thing to do.
0: Yeah, it's like you want to show them what the best version of it could be if they do X, Y and Z. Yeah. If you are able to kind of navigate all of these things yeah. and contribute in these positive ways, it could be amazing. Yeah. While exactly what you're saying, shield them from the horrible things that are wrong with it. Mm. Social media has an interesting part to play in that as well because... If you think about the best version of yourself, Mm. in particular, things like, you know, TikTok and Instagram show uh, an aspirational best version of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And so these impossibly high standards that are set by the media that you can't help but get involved in. Yeah. There's also a, a course to navigate there between what the reality of doing your best is versus what... Social media tells you is the best thing to do. Yeah. So the. I Difficult
1: mean, for a young person to distinguish yeah, the two things.
0: Exactly. I mean, I used to work and live in Dubai, and the people that I was with out there were younger than me, so they were more involved in social media. But looking at the things that they posted, because it's quite easy to have what looks like a lavish lifestyle yeah. when you're in Dubai. Yeah. Looking at my colleagues' social media there. It was as if they were millionaires ins- yeah, whereas I know that they're on the same wage as me. we're living <laughs> in the same shitty apartments, we're renting the cars that we have <laughs> but the the pictures that they put up, the representation of their life in social media was incredible pathetic. it was like a more than best version of yourself, that's pathetic, <clears throat> it wasn't just giving your best, it was here is what i think is the best way i can look to other people which is kind of trying to garner a little bit of envy really oh, is yeah. why you do oh, that yeah. oh, it's yeah. not it's not because you're ecstatic about your life you want other people to is this is this fair to say i think you want other people to be a little bit jealous don't you like the motivation for most of people's posts on social media is to probably to inflame jealousy in the people who look at it probably yeah that's a Dangerous thing to not be able to distinguish the difference between what is you giving your best against what is the fake version of the best version of your life that you <laughs> see all around you.
1: How <laughs> There's you a big difference. There's a huge difference between A and B. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: but it can be difficult to see what the difference is because it's so prevalent. Social media is is such a prevalent part of people's lives and especially for younger people I mean I grew up with no internet I didn't have the internet till I was at university I didn't get a mobile phone till I was 21 maybe uh-huh. and having the world at my fingertips is a relatively new thing for me so it's not the be-all and end-all mm-hmm. whereas anybody the kids I teach are eight nine ten they know no other world in a world where you see people's YouTube videos, mm. TikToks, yeah. Instagrams, and it looks like the people on there are having the most incredible life. So the pressure is then on you to have that kind of life yourself. And what if you don't? Are you a failure because you don't have a 1,000 followers? Are you a failure because you don't have 500 followers? Are you a failure because you don't have 100 followers? Unbelievable. So the, I think there's a lot of pressure to be what looks like the best version of you, but actually is, is probably fake. The photos are staged. Yeah. You take them and retake them and retake them and yeah. filter them and edit them. But it looks like your life is incredible.
1: That's pretty sad. It's pr- probably the end of the world, Bob. I think we're going towards the end of the world.
0: I think we are going towards the end of the world. And with that in mind... <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's drink our poisoned kool now. Okay, okay.
1: <laughs> well, this could not be a better moment to close our episode. Uh, I was extremely interested learning about your initial steps in teaching. So I would now do a bit of housekeeping. We have some housekeeping to do.
0: Speaking of experiments, um, I have started experimenting with the idea of having a competition per session. The first one was trying to spot where I almost spat my water over the microphone when you gave us that quote from your teacher. Last week, I set the competition in the show notes, which was to. Try to count how many times I insisted that something was interesting in the episode. And I hope you have noticed that this time I've made a very conscious effort. I've tried my best not to say things are interesting. Because listening back to the edit, it was... Oh yeah, you've improved. improved. You've improved, Bob. You've definitely improved. improved. When I keep insisting that things are interesting, it was like, oh, it's not. If you have to keep telling me it's interesting... If you're so desperate to tell me it's interesting, it's not interesting. So the experiment continues and the competition last week was how many times do I insist things are interesting. The winner, I mean, I'm too embarrassed to say the number of times I said it, but there is a winner for the competition. We had, uh, we had a couple of entries. I, again, put the names into my uh, teacher's hat and it was a Twitter entry from somebody who is at Shalashaska Row. They got the number correct. Um, We can't see. We don't want to tell us. I will only say, on the conservative side, it was about 50 times in uh, 72 minutes that I insisted something was interesting. That's pretty good. It was brutal to listen back to myself doing that. So, congratulations to Shalashaska, and you will get some form of prize last week. Emma got the half finished pot of ricotta. This time, I don't know, maybe we send Chalasaska the uh, half drunk bottle of aqua frizzante okay. that is getting us through this episode. But thank you for your participation and congratulations on your victory. I hope it means a lot to you.
1: <laughs> thank you very much, Bob, uh, <coughs> for sharing so many ideas and, and life uh, stories. And thank you, uh, listeners, for listening to us. And uh, we will see you uh, in about a week.
0: Yep, fingers crossed. Uh, Thanks very much again for listening to us. We are keeping this rule. We are not changing this rule. This one stays on the wall, unedited. Correct? Absolutely, we can keep it. We'll see you next time. Um, Thanks very much for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And you can contact us by email at spritzpersonality at gmail.com S P R I T Z. Personality at Gmail. We are on Twitter at SpritzPersonal1, or you can search SpritzPersonality, and Instagram is SpritzPersonality.